This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Power Play, a series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm Dan Sun-Chong, ST's China correspondent based in Beijing. And I'm Carissa Yong, ST's US correspondent based in Washington. Every month, the both of us will look at various facets of the US-China rivalry and its implications for Asia. The big news this month is China's reopening. After almost three years of self-imposed isolation, China has finally reopened its borders to quarantine-free travel. The country you know, has abandoned many zero-COVID restrictions starting in early December, but this latest change, you know, the removal of quarantines, you know, is the last nail in the coffin for zero-COVID. Yeah, though China still remains close to foreign tourists for now, right? Foreigners are only allowed in for family reasons or business. That's right, Carissa. For many of us foreigners who have not left China in a long time, you know, this is a huge change. Travel platforms, you know, saw a surge in, in search requests. So it's it's clear also that, you know, Chinese tourists are also very eager to travel abroad. Uh, you know, it's very significant, especially for uh, many foreign countries that depend on uh, Chinese tourist spending. For example, in 2019, you know, the Chinese made 155 million trips abroad and spent 130 billion US dollars. You know, the, the typical Chinese tourist stays longer and spends more compared to other international visitors, you know, if you look, if you're talking about the US. Unfortunately, the news of the reopening was not received as warmly as China perhaps hoped, to put it mildly. Yes, South Korea, Japan, Australia, you know, some other countries, you know, have started requiring negative COVID tests from travelers from China. In some places, there are additional tests on arrival. In Japan and South Korea, for example, if you do test negative, on arrival, you have to be put into quarantine. So in a way, it's a real role reversal for China. You know, traveling to China during the pandemic used to be so tedious, you know, because of these negative tests and quarantines. But now, you know, it's the other way around. But Carissa, you know, could you talk about how the news of China's reopening has been received in the US? Well, I know Chinese friends here who immediately started planning trips back home to see family members they haven't met in years, you know, especially since the new year is coming. But they were also worried about the surge in COVID cases that's hitting their family back home. And I would say that from the U.S. government's point of view, the reception has been mixed as well. You know, beginning January 5th, the U.S. started requiring travelers from China, Hong Kong and Macau to test negative for COVID before boarding their flight to America. And the CDC says it's because of the surge in COVID cases in China and the inadequate and insufficiently transparent genome sequencing information from China, which would slow down the identification of new variants. But there was some debate over whether these negative tests were really helpful. Uh, you know, I'm curious, how much of this do you think is driven by science and how much by politics? Well, you know, on one hand, yes, China has not been very transparent about genome sequencing data, so that does make it hard to know more about possible variants. And these variants could affect America's own public health if they are transmitted widely within its borders. We also don't quite know the exact extent of COVID spread in China. You know, even World Health Organization officials have criticized China for undercounting COVID deaths. You know, China reported nearly 60,000 COVID-related deaths in hospitals since early December. But experts say that that seems like an underestimate, given the waves of deaths that we saw in other previously COVID-zero countries earlier on in the pandemic. And, you know, part of this reaction is also because the U.S. is scaling back its own response to the pandemic. You know, over here, it's like the pandemic is over. But also, on the other hand, some public health experts point out that COVID is so widespread in the U.S. anyway so firstly, what's the point of requiring such a testing regime? And secondly, why single out China? You know, other countries have similar transmission rates. So I think it really goes back to the data we're getting or not getting from China. 
Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Yeah, you know, Chris, a big part of this is, you know, because China has not really been transparent with, you know, its statistics on deaths, case numbers after their shift from zero COVID. I mean, you mentioned that 60,000 deaths figure. They took a month to release that. And, you know, in the early days, there were no reporting. You know, they didn't report any deaths, even when there, you know, there were reports about overflowing hospitals and, and long lines and crematoriums. You know, and, and, you know, WHO has been saying repeatedly that, you know, without more data, they won't be able to, to monitor how the search is progressing and whether this will spill over to other countries. The data that we have here from China also, you know, many experts have said, you know, it's a, it's a serious underestimate of, of the, the real picture uh, within the country. All that doesn't really seem to be moving China, though. Yeah, I think, you know, that's how it seems. To be fair, the WHO has said that Beijing has been uh, more forthcoming, you know, in the, over the last few days. But I think also from China's perspective, it's looking at, at all these travel requirements that the other countries are imposing now on Chinese travelers. You know, they do seem a little discriminatory, you know, especially for some of the reasons you mentioned. Never mind, you know, that the Chinese were, were imposing even harsher requirements on other travelers over the last three years. I think Beijing's view is that, you know, many countries already have a very high vaccination rates. Uh, high levels of population immunity after they've lived for with, with COVID for a while. Uh, and you have, you know, variants like the XBB 1.5 uh, that's circulating in the US. Um, Chinese experts have said that this is the most transmissible uh, variant yet. You know, there's, there's a fair bit of concern over XBB 1.5 over here. There are reports that, you know, it causes gastrointestinal issues, you know, and Chinese people have gone, you know, and stocked out on diarrhea medication. Well, I guess it's better to have it than to not have it. <laughs> but also there's one more concern that I wanted to bring up over America's mandatory testing of travelers from China. And that's the possible impact that it might have on Asian Americans. So remember, this is coming in a politically charged atmosphere of animosity against China. And if you recall, there was a spike in violence against ethnic Asians in the U.S. in the early phases of the pandemic. And there, there still is violence now. But that was when Trump called COVID the China virus and racists accused Asians of, you know, being carriers of disease. So even though there is real public health concerns, Asian American activists are warning that these mandatory testing could end up giving the public perception that spikes in COVID are coming from ethnic Chinese people. And their point is that conflating a disease with a group of people can lead to violence against them. It's, it's really a serious concern that, that something to be careful of. And China, you know, has also criticized the US for its testing regime. Yeah, did more than criticize other countries with similar testing though. Yeah, Beijing, you know, has called on countries to be objective and scientific. You know, it has suspended issuing uh, short-term visas for travelers from South Korea and Japan. But, you know, it's also interesting that it's been quite selective in its responses. For example you know, hasn't done the same thing against uh, travelers from the US. Yeah, that seemed like a bit of a double standard, but why do you think it hasn't done the same thing against the US? First of all, I think relations uh, with South Korea and Japan have not been the most positive. Uh, there's, there's been a considerable uh, domestic reaction in China to these measures. So Beijing cannot be seen to be doing nothing. So it has to do something, basically. The second thing is that I think one of Beijing's top foreign policy priorities right now is to stabilize its relationship with the US. And so I think it's that to, you know, China being quite cautious about its moves towards Washington. Well, in the US, there's also been some criticism about the unpreparedness and, you know, just how abrupt China's reopening was. You know, some political watchers have been saying that it's evidence that China's national policy sort of pivots around one man, President Xi, and that China basically reopened because he changed his mind rather than because of a science-based approach. That's what some China watchers are saying. 
And there is also some, you know, criticism about China's unwillingness to accept Western mRNA vaccines to vaccinate its people. So America has been repeatedly offering its vaccines, reportedly indirectly, so it can get around sensitivities about China accepting foreign aid, according to Bloomberg. But China has also repeatedly turned them down. And it has no plans to shift its position because, you know, it says that its own vaccines are safe and effective. But studies have shown that Chinese vaccines have a lower efficacy than the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. And American officials are reportedly frustrated that this might worsen the COVID surge. Yeah, you know, about vaccines, this is uh, something that's been quite mind-boggling. I I think at the start, China was quite, was determined to develop its own mRNA vaccines because basically wanted to develop this own this technology indigenously. Uh, and then now, you know, we've sort of gotten to a stage where uh, it seems clear to China that even with, uh, you know, these, these mRNA vaccines, uh, Pfizer and Moderna, it doesn't completely prevent the disease. So I think that's one big reason why China at this point, you know, seems hesitant about accepting these vaccines. But vaccines aside, you know, if you had to sum up this sort of monumental change, would you say on the whole, this is a plus for China? Yeah, I would definitely say it was a plus for China. And, you know, the vaccine nationalism, that remains to be seen how that will play out in the long run. But on the whole, this is, I, I would say, undoubtedly positive for China and for the global economy. You know, at least in America, businesses are cheering the reopening in the long run because, you know, for many of them, the uncertainty over how long the lockdowns would last was really worrying. It made it really hard for them to plan, you know, future runs, future production runs, and they couldn't, they just couldn't make business decisions. And the reopening also means that more people-to-people exchanges can happen, hopefully. You know, from academic trips to foreign diplomatic visits, they can all proceed more easily. So one of them is Secretary of State Antony Blinken is due to visit China sometime early this year. And the State Department has said that that planning is proceeding. So I I really would say that that trip would be beneficial for stabilizing US-China relations. Thanks, Carissa. Well, I think that nicely wraps up our chat. You've been listening to Powerplay. I'm Danson Chong. And I'm Carissa Yong. Do check out our bylines in the Straits Times online. We also have links in our podcast text description below. That was a podcast by the Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O.